there, everyone, and welcome into the Career Competitor Podcast with me, Steve Meller. And we are the show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming in Devereaux Walton to the show, who's made a career for herself within diversity and inclusion. She works as the learning portfolio manager for diversity and inclusion at IBM, a company you may have heard of, I would assume. She oversees 340,000 employees the world over working on these educational components when it comes to diversity and inclusion. As you'll hear within the interview, inclusion is certainly the main focal point for her in most of her workings at the moment. And one thing I really do insist upon you paying attention to here is just how enthusiastic, just how invested Devro is within the work that she does. You're going to hear me explain a few things within this episode in terms of why it is that this particular interview is very much so relevant to the show that is Career Competitor. But one thing I want you to understand is this is someone who's enthusiastic about what it is they do. They see the opportunity to make an impact across a wide area within their particular field. And as far as I'm concerned, that requires someone who is incredibly driven and certainly competitive within this particular area. So again, I'm very excited to be welcoming Devro Walton into the Career Competitor Podcast, and I hope you all enjoy. Hey there, everyone. Just before we jump into this particular interview, I wanted to get you up to date with anything and everything you need to know about the show. Firstly, whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on right now, give us a follow, subscribe, Make sure you leave us some sort of a review or a rating. People on Apple Podcasts right now, five stars if you will, and be sure to subscribe. Like I said, it really does help the show continue to build growth and awareness within the podcasting community. Secondly, if you're on Instagram, career underscore competitor, give us a follow there. You can follow me on my own social media platforms as well through Twitter and Instagram. It's coach underscore Steve underscore M for my last name, Mella. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn too. Steve Meller, I'm right there. I love talking to people and connecting with you on LinkedIn as well. Now, in regards to my new venture, which is coaching and public speaking on a wider level, I am here to help you, whether it be as an individual or with the company that you're associated with. I'm here to help and I'm excited to do so. You can contact me at steve at careercompetitor.com. That's steve at careercompetitor.com. We can connect. We can find 30 minutes of my time, free 30-minute consultation to listen to you about whatever it is you may need some help with, whether it's, again, on an individual purpose or more in relation to a organization or a team factor, whatever it may be. I am here to help you guys and make sure you keep an eye out for the website that's going to be launching any day now, which is careercompetitor.com. My goodness, so many things that we've got going on within the show within the career competitive service as well. Make sure you're following us. Make sure you're reaching out. But for now, let's jump right into the interview. Okay, well, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome in Devereaux Walton to the Career Competitor Podcast. Firstly, Devereaux, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm just so excited. I've been looking forward to this, honestly, since you reached out. And uh, I, I always consider myself so fortunate when people listening or following the show do take me up on my offer to reach out and let me know who you are and, and tell me a little bit about you because I get introduced to people like yourself. And I'm just so excited today to go into an area that I'm very passionate about. And before I allude to any more of what we're going to be talking about today, why don't you go ahead and just tell everybody what it is you do, where you are, just tell everybody who it is we're talking to today. 
Sure, absolutely. Quick, short and sweet overview. Well, I am in Dallas, Texas. I've been here for about six, seven years now, originally from Atlanta. So I certainly do consider myself to be a Southern Belle. I have no Creole background. So when people see the spelling of my name, Steve and I talked about this. Um, I don't have any family members that are French or Creole. My name, my name just was a gift. And it's something that my mom said came to her. So <laughs> that's always a, a fun little story to share. I currently work in diversity and inclusion, specifically on the learning side, overseeing some training and development internally for 340,000 employees globally at IBM. I love diversity and inclusion, and particularly, I really love the field within the context of the technology industry. It's just so interesting to look at the dynamic, and especially when we think about large global corporations and also the smaller startups and those tech companies like the Googles and the Facebooks of the world before they grow to the size where they are today. Hmm. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah, that's some great stuff. And I honestly, when it comes to the technological world, one thing why I'm so excited to speak with you, honestly, is because it was very evident when we spoke briefly on the phone a couple of weeks ago that we weren't going to talk too much about technology in the sense of I am so so uneducated and such an amateur when it comes to any kind of discussion on technology and for me to be doing something like this with the podcast now which i know some would maybe indicate has this technological component to it i really resist that because i am just so not savvy when it comes to that stuff but for you to work with an organization like ibm is very intimidating to someone like me i want you to know that like that is very intimidating to me simply because like i said I really am just such an amateur when it comes to this stuff. So what I'd love to do is actually just start on the role that it is you have because it is something that I am just so, I'm very much here today to listen and learn because I'm so excited to learn from you. A lot of your work, like you said, is geared towards education, getting people to learn and better understand some of this stuff. So when you set out, let's say on a typical day and you're looking at the responsibilities that you have, Devereaux, what does what does your typical workload look like? T talk us through a little bit of what you're really responsible for in terms of the specifics. Yeah, so I like to think of myself uh, partly as a learning integration person. And what that means is when we look at different learning programs for onboarding new employees or talent acquisition, the folks that are recruiting and hiring in, bringing in new talent to the organization, or even our client-facing employees that work consulting and client-facing, I like to really look for opportunities in learning programs to add in a component about diversity and inclusion. And what's so interesting about my field is that there's no denying it's a critical part of touching every part of how an organization functions internally, certainly within the sphere of teams and employees collaborating, but also externally. When we think about the clients that we serve, the end user experience for products and services and, and that interaction. And so diversity and inclusion is, is really important on both sides of the coin, if you will, because we know from research that employees that feel that they belong, that can bring themselves to work authentically as who they are, 
they certainly will be more productive, which will lead to better outcomes in projects, results, products, services. They'll stay at an organization longer. And overall, it will just help you to be more successful as a business. We also know on the other side that it's incredibly important for organizations to be relatable to the communities in which they serve. And often what we've seen recently in the past couple of years is that consumers are very concerned before they spend money to understand who is the organization behind what is being sold to make sure there's that connection there, that relatability. So an average day could be learning integration with a program internally for our employees, whether it is our um, HR professionals, our human resource professionals, specifically the recruiters, um, the client-facing employees, and it could be anyone anywhere in the world that is completing a learning program. I do also facilitate as well. So I teach principles and best practices around diversity and inclusion, and I help to manage our allyship program. So we have a program that is volunteer for employees to raise their hand and sign up and say, I'd like to be an ally. I'd like to be a person who is really prioritizing diversity and inclusion and how I'm showing up at, at work and in the world. And so I help to create learning experiences for um, our allyship program as well. And the learning is interactive, it's um, very engaging, and it's all accessible digitally. So if it's live, we have workshops. If it's on demand, we have videos and modules where employees can complete and really get a better understanding about a lot of things that they probably have never really thought about and maybe they um, have never come across before. So it's really enlightening to see that transformation after someone has understood the concepts and starts to see the world through a different lens. Absolutely, absolutely. And sometimes I get to this towards the end of our episodes, but I wanna bring it up right away in the sense of getting anybody listening to this to understand that I know what the show's all about. Career Competitor is the name of the show and you've listened to Devereaux there speak about all the many facets that she brings to her role and what it is she's doing. And when you're overseeing 340,000 people the world over, you have to understand that for IBM to flourish, to flourish as a competitor within the sector that it works in, and then for all these many, many components, there's so many different responsibilities and job roles across the world and people doing it in different ways based on cultures that they come from and, and there's so many facets to everything that it is that Devro is responsible for it really does come back to the beauty and let's say the originality of what this show is all about is that what we found out over the last three and a half years is that we are at our best when we are at our most authentic self. And that is everything that you're talking about here. For people to be competitive or to be career-driven within this role, are they arriving at work in a way and in a headspace where they feel as though they can be their truest self, where they can be truly appreciated and accepted to do their work the way in which they feel most comfortable doing it, obviously doing it in a successful way as well. For me, that's what this show is all about. So again, we have we have athletes come on and they talk about 
competitiveness from the very first word that comes out of their mouth. And I think what's important on these types of episodes is to really highlight and emphasize that this is competitiveness on a different level. This is competitive competitiveness in relation to prioritizing our best self, putting our best foot forwards, and being a version that we can actually find that optimal version of ourself, doing it in an environment where we can be really comfortable knowing that we get to be our optimal self whilst we go through our career. So I like just to really emphasize that from the outset here because it's important. I think it's really important for people to hear this and understand that this isn't just some random episode where we're not necessarily sticking to the truest version of what we're about. In fact, I think these episodes are more important than some of the more obvious competitive episodes because it does highlight and emphasize some of these things that I prioritize in the work that I do. And it's why I'm so, so excited to be obviously having this discussion with you, Devereaux. And one thing that I really want to move to here is the cultural component, the 340,000 people the world over. This is not your base in Dallas. This is not people working in Dallas. This is people working across the United States and across the world. When you look at the information that it is you're providing to these people and you think about educating that many people across that many different spectrums, how on earth do you even get started? Because for me, the very thought just sort of almost paralyzes me. It's like, oh, how do I, how can I possibly accommodate all these people with all these different backgrounds? What does your process look like from the beginning in the sense of how do you get started when you're trying to bring this topic, bring this educational piece to light, knowing that you have such a wide, vast, diverse audience to be focusing on? Yeah, so we think about the identity of a person and what truly makes someone who they are. And there are so many different dimensions to a person's identity. We are who we are based on our gender identity, our sexual orientation, our age, our race and ethnicity, our nationality. There's a lot of different facets of a person's full identity. So what we do with our learning portfolio is we really focus in on a lot of the specific identity dimensions. For example, recently because of last year and the horrible murders of African-Americans at the hands of police brutality, we've been really talking about race and race has been brought to the forefront in the corporate environment for probably the first time in 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 history to be honest um and so when we look at our learning portfolio we have certain learning experiences certain learning offerings that are just about one particular identity dimension it could be race it could be age and generation Um, and then we also do have other learning offerings that really focus on an overview of behaviors to avoid like microaggressions for example and also best practices around how to be inclusive. So as a small example, we are a global organization and many teams do function with global employees. And so instead of starting a meeting and saying, good morning, you could say happy Tuesday, or you could say good day, which is what I usually say is is good day. And it's really inclusive because if someone's in Japan and it's late afternoon or evening saying good morning is hardly appropriate for a 6am call. Mm -hmm. So it's the little things that we can do that add up to have a really big impact and a really big impression on truly creating a culture 
with inclusion and belonging for all employees to enjoy and all employees to contribute and make sure that that culture is sustained. Yeah, very much so. I love the the focus on those little things. Um, you know, one thing I've already noticed is is watching you and I have the I have the benefit that nobody else has. I get to watch you talk about this while everybody else is simply listening. But you can see the energy, you can see the enthusiasm for what it is you are doing here with IBM. And I think one thing that is so crucial over the, or one thing that has been so crucial over the last 12 to 18 months is we've dealt with some of these racial breakthroughs in many ways um, in the workplace and then beyond into society is making sure that the people that are coming front and center that are being involved and having influence within these these situations that they're actually passionate about it that they're passionate for change that it's not simply a complaint it's more a, a voice of action i think that's really important you know it's really important again I, I did a lot of work on the podcast upwards of 12 months ago when a lot of this racial turmoil was really starting to impact the united states and i allowed people to come on who were proven activists that were proven to be truly putting one step in front of the other yes they talked the talk but they were so willing to walk the walk in so many different ways and i love that version of everything that's been going on here in the last 12 to 18 months and hearing that someone like you is in a place like a corporation as large as IBM being so conscious of the little details and focusing on the fact that if we prioritize these little things those little things mean huge things to the individual and that's something that I think is really important to stress here talking about the little thing in the space of just the meeting is actually being is playing a big big part in the in how it influences one specific individual somewhere thousands and thousands of miles away and i think the more we can do that as individuals the better everyone's going to be benefiting if we can think about these little snippets that we can influence on a day-to-day basis knowing the potential they have to impact one individual in a big way that's how we need to start thinking and how to start prioritizing these sort of things and so for you right now, Devereaux, as you start to look towards the future of this role that you have, clearly you're, you've got some processes right now that are working and, and, and clearly you're, you're excited about them and you're, you're eager to continue to build upon them. But what sort of areas are you still excited to maybe pursue and, and get more involved with? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, it's so important that we think about how an organizational structure does not function or flourish or really nothing can happen without people. And that's why this work is so important. The the people skills, the interpersonal skills, we can't accomplish anything with, without interacting with each other. Right. So it's, it's very important to um, think about that as really a business imperative and not just an extra added benefit or box check item on a a list. Exactly. Yeah. And so when I think about what I'm excited about, one thing is actually a personal project. I've recently been working on creating an online course for managers around inclusion and belonging. And when I think about big picture view, what are the biggest barriers to inclusion and having an inclusive culture at a place of work? We see so many organizations around the world creating statements, sharing on social media, press releases, um, commercials. They're very public about their sentiment around making diversity and inclusion a very high priority. Mm -hmm. 
We see senior leaders, we see C-suite officers that are very vocal externally in the marketplace about what's happening at their organizations. Mm. And a lot of employees that are in an organization working throughout different levels may run into the barrier of their manager being the bottleneck or the the roadblock from having an inclusive culture. Because in the day-to-day operations, unless someone is a senior leader, they're not in meetings with the CEO or the CMO. They're in meetings with their manager and their peers. And for me, I've seen and had a lot of conversations with friends among the technology industry that really have identified either their manager or another middle manager within the organization that has prevented the team culture from being inclusive and really allowing the team to do more than just the minimum of their jobs, but actually thrive and have fun and do excellent work. Because that's really the outcome that we see from an inclusive culture. It's that level of excellence and and the ability to have fun. And like you said, really just be at your best because you're showing up as your authentic self. So I've been working on this as a side passion project, and I'll soon be releasing the online course for managers. And I think it's a game changer because there are so many managers, especially if they are in the majority of their organizations, whether it's majority age or race or gender identity expression, regardless of of who they are and, and what their identity is, if they're in the majority, they're often not thinking about the experience of what it feels like to be a minority member or to feel like an other if they've never firsthand experienced that themselves. And so this course is really going to help move the needle on that. At IBM though, um, we are certainly expanding our learning portfolio. So when I talk to you about the different identity dimensions like age and generational differences and race, we are really excited to add more learning experiences so that employees can get an understanding around all of the different identity dimensions and how that shows up and impacts um, different people and and how to navigate it effectively. I've been working on a project around religious identity at work, Mm -hmm. which is another topic that is sometimes controversial for people. It can be decisive. It can be a little upsetting just because of the, the nature of the topic. And really the focus is around how to navigate different religious identities with respect and to be inclusive. Mm. So things like in on Diwali, if there's a holiday, don't plan a meeting or an event or have an assigned deadline to an employee that you know is of a particular faith, things like that. Mm. So it's really about, for me and my work, my work is more about focusing on inclusion and belonging because the diversity piece and the representation that is um, really owned by our talent organization. Hmm. And um, I really focus on the employees that are here, how they're getting along with each other. So that level of respect and how to make sure that they are 
able to to get along you may be able to agree to disagree and sometimes that's okay <laughs> yeah i i didn't realize that was still okay because it, we seem to live in a world now where that people don't uh, seem to be comfortable with that but i i completely agree with you i uh, have always been very comfortable agreeing to disagree i the the woman that i've married is is, is a great example of that we we love to agree to disagree um it's it's part of the beauty of our relationship is having this desire to talk about things that we have different opinions on and, and, and listening to one another and being excited to hear one another's opinion on something. And, and a lot of the time, like I said, agreeing to disagree. But, you know, listening to both your perspective on what it is you're trying to do here individually with, with, the, uh, with the management education that you're trying to do, but then also the work that IBM is, is really prioritizing too. I love what you said there at the outset of, this is no longer some a box that we just check. This is something that has to be a true fabric, a true component of what it is that we are trying to, what, what we require to be successful. And I think inclusion from a team standpoint, I think I would like to believe that most people listening to this are either part of a team or in some way have, have been part of a team before. And if they look at the successes versus the lack of success, I'm sure you can always fall back on when you were most successful, you really understood the people that you were being successful with. You really felt that you could be your best self with these people that you were with. So what I love about listening to someone like yourself, Devereaux, for the last half an hour is that there is a an obvious component to everything that you're talking about. But the the greatest issue that I feel we've always had in this department is the resistance, is the lack of respect for it at times. Because for me, listening to you talk for, for the last 30 minutes, I hear all this and I'm here for it. At the same time, I've always been an ambassador for it too. It's something that I really do believe in. But inclusion, it, it really is this thing that once we drop the resistance and once we embrace the need for it, success is actually pretty close after that we can be successful because we're now in many ways singing from the same hymn sheet and for you personally again we're going to go back to the title of the show here a little bit with competitor how do you feel as though you're winning in your role because for some for a job like yours i'm sure you do come up with some resistance now and again i'm sure you do feel a little bit of pushback now and again i can only imagine but at the same time you must feel the wins. You must feel the victories as well. What do those wins and what do those victories look like for you? Yeah. So the first thing I want to say in, in terms of a learning experience and learning specifically around the topics of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, required learnings very rarely are successful. Hmm. Successful in terms of completion, successful in terms of the participants gathering and understanding the knowledge and then applying it. Because when things are mandated, there's a different mental perspective about it. And I can sit resentfully in my chair and I can attend a a meeting or a required course, but that doesn't mean I have to do anything with it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just here. My name is, is on the attendance sheet. And I'm just checking my emails and waiting till it's over. So we know that the research shows that required learning is really not effective. Mm. So I definitely want to make sure that's shared. Now, in terms of the success metrics, what we're looking at, 
the biggest indicator around whether or not diversity and inclusion learning is successful is really around behavior change. Are we able to measure a shift in the culture and the environment in the behavior of employees after completing learning offerings? So we look at our annual employee engagement survey. A lot of organizations annually survey and poll their employee base to get feedback anonymously about their experience at the workplace with their team and anything else they want to comment on. We look at that. We do have a way to track, especially at the manager level. Most organizations also do as well. Um, the managers and anyone in leadership, mm-hmm. senior leaders, executives, et cetera. So if an employee is within a team of a particular manager and has not had a particularly pleasant experience, and we compare that to the five other members on the team, wow, that says a lot whether or not that employee has completed learnings within the portfolio or not. And we also compare the data with our human resources reporting. So we have a ability for any employee in the world to report something that is inappropriate or discriminatory, and then it's reviewed by human resources. And we have the data to look at. Um, you know, it's a very small list of people who have access to data to look at who is who is complaining, what are the complaints being said, and what is the story around the person who allegedly has you know, made these particular grievances. So we look at all of that data and that tells the story. Now, if there's no behavior change, um, there's a couple of different ways to measure and investigate why nothing is happening after a learning offering has been completed and an employee is not applying it. But really what we're looking for is Before an employee completes a diversity and inclusion learning, they may have a variety of type of experiences with peers and with their team members and direct reports. But after completing a learning experience, it should be different. We should see an increase in the level of satisfaction that direct reports have. Peers should be able to have much more positive regard and much more positive feedback about that particular person. And we're looking for that, that difference. We're looking for that behavior change in the right direction. And how does, you know, how does it make you feel when you can see such in, in some cases, I'm sure you must get some results where you just think, wow, the, the data is saying, yes, behavioral changes are happening. This is so exciting. I mean, for someone like you in this role, what what does that what does that feeling look like for you? What does that sort of reaction to that data look like? Yeah, that's definitely a win. That's a, a moment to enjoy, but also hmm. to learn from. How can we replicate that experience? Is it the particular learning experience that we can then apply to maybe a different population within the organization? So, for example, if we're looking at managers within um, a client-facing type of role and we're getting a lot of success, how can we hopefully get that same type of success with another management population, maybe um, on the more technical side and not client-facing? So it's 
celebrating the learning, um, celebration, celebrating those goals being exceeded, those wins, but it's also applying and really amplifying to make sure that we're able to have that level of success in other areas of the business. Absolutely. Yeah. Just continue to evolve, continue to adapt to the information. And, you know, one thing that you actually brought to my attention before we started recording was was the way in which you're using technology to advance the people and and it's the people first. I think when you talk to someone from IBM, the assumption would always be, how do we advance the technology all the time? How do we do that? But understanding that through advancing the people, through improving upon behavioral components of the people, the thing things such as the technology will take care of itself in, in, in so many ways. And, and you know, these are very educated, very well versed people on what they're working in. But if you can find that extra level to who it is they are as, as people and, and find that extra level of inclusion in terms of investing in one another, then suddenly the results technologically from a uh, you know an actual procedural standpoint, uh, product standpoint, those things are going to really start to accelerate in ways because the, the investment in the people has become such a priority. So I just... I was I knew I was going to look forward to this discussion. Well, I knew I I knew I was looking forward to this discussion, but I I couldn't necessarily truly know how how much I was going to appreciate it and I I just have appreciated all of it, Deborah. I really have and I I hope people listening understand that again going back to my point from earlier, this is something that is so applicable to any team that wants to succeed and quite frankly to anybody anyone that's listening to this that is responsible for a team that is overseeing a team understand that it starts with inclusion if you can find inclusiveness in 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 the in the work that you're doing then all these little things that you're asking all these more procedural things that come with work that come with advancement those things will start to take care of themselves in ways that they never have done before because you're finding ways to include everybody in some way shape or form so Again, I, I'm just so appreciative for this opportunity to, to sit down with you. And I'm, I'm so thankful that you decided to reach out to me, Devereaux, because it's something that uh, I, I think was going to impact people on a on a larger scale. Um, but moving forwards, I, I just wish you all the best, all the best of luck with all of this work that you're doing. Uh, again, I can't thank you enough for your time. And uh, I look forward to, to hopefully remaining in touch in the future as well. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. And my thanks again to Devereaux for joining us on the show today. A key takeaway for me, guys, from this particular discussion is the topic of behavioral change. I take a lot of notes while my guests are talking. And in this case, behavioral change was something that I not only wrote down, but I drew a big aggressive circle around too. Because at the end of the day, when you look at this show that is Career Competitor, we are trying to provoke change. We are trying to add to some of your behavioral components, things that you have maybe leaned on and trusted in in the past that haven't quite been as impactful as you wanted to, and finding ways to influence that behavior moving forwards in a way that's going to hopefully prompt some change, prompt some success that you've not been able to stumble along just yet. So looking at the way in which Devereaux goes about influencing behavioral change within IBM, inclusion was the big big talking point within the interview and like I mentioned there within our discussion take some time to really understand the way in which firstly you feel you're being included within the workplace within maybe even beyond that too look at your life in general how are you inclusive how are you involved within your day-to-day life do you feel included 
do you feel like someone who's maybe on the outside continually looking in? If you do, then that's a warning flag. That is something that you need to be a little bit more aware of. So for me, firstly, it starts with you specifically. Do you feel included? Secondly, if you're in a position of influence, are you including everybody that you can possibly include? Because at the end of the day, if you're not including everybody, if people don't feel incentivized to be at work because they don't feel included, they don't feel a part of the team, a part of the organization, then you're always going to be encountering a lot of resistance and a lot of uphill battles. Success is always going to be difficult to find. So behavioral change, that is my big takeaway. Are you willing to firstly look in the mirror and ask yourself what components of your behavior do you need to change? And then secondly, if you are in positions of influence or you are someone that's working and collaborating with a lot of people on a day-to-day basis, how are you prompting for behavioral change in the right way in order for the team to succeed? So great information from Devereaux. I really appreciate the insight from her today. And I consider myself so fortunate to have someone who's having such an influence on such a massive corporation like IBM to come on the show and spend 30 minutes of her time with us today. In the meantime, guys, again, continue to follow the show on Instagram, career underscore competitor. I am going through a lot of work behind the scenes right now, building what is career competitor as a brand, building what career competitor is as a service as well. So keep an eye out for some stuff that I've got coming your way. The website is something that I'm continuing to build upon. If you are someone that's on LinkedIn, make sure you're connecting with me, Steve Meller. And I would love to hear from you. And just like Devro did, she reached out to me. We got connected and I brought her on the show because I knew she could be impactful to you, the listener. So if you're one of those listeners that thinks you could be impactful, that you could have influence, you could always just reach out to me through Instagram, direct message, career underscore competitor. And I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, guys, best of luck with anything and everything you've got going on within your world. And I look forward to speaking with you all again very soon. Bye for now.